0: This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Just getting out for a walk. It's almost six o'clock. And <clears throat> I was just answering. <laughs> it's this uh, hashtag game that I'm doing with... Erica Rose and Oracular Beard, and it's it's interesting because I I I I came up with a question, and then it sort of this it went on to the next level, which is uh, Erica and Oracular looking at this and sort of you know can it be tweaked and sort of shrunk down you know, made more concise uh, it's like draft, you know, draft one, draft two, draft three so by the time it's gone actually online and I'm, I'm looking at it and kind of getting a different perspective and I had a moment the question was about Graves Or tombs, right? And what would you expect to find in a fantasy tomb? Or what would be the coolest thing you could find? And this is getting more into celebration of the genre. So this would be the actual fantasy part of fantasy Whippalooza, Because some questions are about the whip or the work in progress. And... So my... my two answers... Uh, two things popped up. One was the... Beowulf... Um, sort of tomb treasure that... You know, uh, the theft of a cup... Triggers this... Freak out. You know, this dragon has this... You know, <clears throat> gets really upset... And that inspired, influenced uh to Tolkien, right? That's Smaug is coming from. Um it's it's one of the contributors. Uh Beowulf. The Beowulf dragon is contributor. <clears throat> Some great descriptions too. Uh I got a hold of the uh, Seamus Haney. Um, translation of Beowulf, and that's got these great sort of um, uh, word choice, um, like the sort of this coiled body springing into action, and things like that. And the second. Sort of grave tomb. I was thinking of. I have three actually, three answers. But my second was from the Conan the Barbarian movie, where Conan falls into this tomb, and there he, for a moment, there's this skeleton sitting on the throne, and we're just waiting, right, for the skeletons come to life and start fighting. But it doesn't. It's like this anti-climax. But Conan gets his sword. This very cool sword. And, uh... I always wanted more. I wanted them to talk about... I wanted them to talk about it. But I also wanted... Because I, I know a bit more about... Uh, say the author the other stories and one of the characters is is named uh Cole K U L L who's from I think he's either from Atlantis or the f- just after the fall of Atlantis so I always I was thinking you know that's Cole's sword yeah and the th- my third my third answer is more sort of convoluted, Uh, just thinking about Egyptian tombs and curses, and going back to Beowulf's dragon, it's kind of like that, there's kind of a curse uh, going on, just seeing something on the ground, and having a moment of confusion, it's like, are those mushrooms? sort of like in the half light I can't quite see and I don't want to get too (laughs) close and I don't know in case there's some sort of um you know they're not (laughs) you know not what you want to get close to but yeah say you know mummy's curse and I, I remember seeing uh Dr. Fibes. There was a a movie... There was like two Dr. Fibes movies. And I think that was... uh, Early 70s. Late 60s, early 70s. But there was also... I think it was called Theatre of Blood. I think. But it was... These were Vincent Price movies. Um, Diana Rigg... Was... Uh, part of it. <clears throat> but there's a there's a sort of connection. It feels like. Theater of Blood is. One of the Dr. Fibes movies. Because it has this. Similar kind of. Um, what is it? Uh, you know this, this. Antagonist is out for revenge. And is. You know slowly murdering. Uh, a group of people. And there's a theme to each of the deaths. And... So if you if you like Dr. Five, the Dr. Five movies, you can add on Theater of Death. I could have it wrong, but if you v- look around for Vincent Price movies, uh, especially with Diana Rigg, who... She was in The Avengers. She was recently in Game of Thrones. Um... She was actually in here in Vancouver. She was living here for for a while. I don't know if she still lives here, but we like to think of ourselves as this kind of place where um like if we see a famous person, we're not going to go up to them <laughs> like i and I don't know what that's about. It could be the, you know, the Canadian, um, via the British, this is sort of apologetic nature, right? Always saying sorry. Uh, it's interesting too. Some, some people sort of get antsy about it. I can remember seeing one article in this uh, tabloid, and. A younger writer was saying you know how she uh, she didn't like it. She didn't like this you know constantly sort of you know you bump into somebody you apologize you know it's just sorry 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 but there's a reason for it right Uh, I actually had an experience of going somewhere, uh, where that wasn't happening when I was traveling and, you know, people were bumping into me and not saying anything. Right. And I, you know, I would have these moments where, uh, just culturally I would be sort of what's going on. You know, I want some sort of hint or clue. Perhaps there is something like say in body language, but, uh, I would have all this stuff going, like proximity, you know, and being sort of nudged and bumped and pushed. And, you know, in that culture, it was all, that was all part of it. It was just sort of this um, proximity, right? You know? <laughs> And it was just assumed that there was nothing wrong. Uh, whereas over here, or at least sort of how I'm going about it is that it's, uh. That's the thing too. I might have it totally wrong. I might have it, like, I might be just, you know, off page and we shouldn't be apologizing for anything. And. My sense, though, of it is that it's letting the other person know that, you know, there's nothing wrong, right? Uh, perhaps there could be a better way of saying it instead of sorry or. Excuse me or pardon me. It's it's that weird sort of... The definition of what is polite. And uh... Should we be polite? Should we be sort of this gruff... These gruff and shovey and pushy and... You know... Um... Forget your boundaries. I'll have to think more about it. Instead though... Uh, Conan, I'm, I keep coming back to Conan, the barbarian, the movie, you know, not the comedian talk show show host, uh, quaint as, you know, what is it, quaint though he be, um, the, the name, I believe the name is Irish I could be wrong on that it might be say Scottish but it's it's in that territory and I want to say it's Robert E. Howard but I don't I don't think that's right somehow I think I might be getting my authors mixed up. But uh, he's... He was an American writer. Turn of the century. So we're talking in the 1900s. 1930s, I think. You know, say would be his his output. He's writing pulp. He's putting out these stories. And... Uh, A lot of them are, say, collections of short stories. Or there are these, you know, small um, novellas. They are being published in pulp magazines like Weird Tales. One of my earliest memories of uh, Conan is... Frank Frazetta art. And so... It's these paintings, usually on the book covers. That's what I saw. we had We had these uh, thin books kicking around the house with this this sort of brooding, you know, uh, man, he had like the long hair. actually, too, I think his bangs, you know, his bangs are cut short, and and he has this long black hair really thick features can't see his eyes right because the, the eyes are shadowed he's you know half clothed uh, half naked uh, you know usually he's got like a loincloth on boots and you know this is a rippling mass I quite liked recently there was a attempt to reboot uh, Conan and Jason Momoa was was in there and I thought it was the perfect choice and I think for him it was sort of a springboard onto other projects but when I saw it I was just like yeah yeah that's him everything else was wrong (laughs) or at least you know there's a bunch of other stuff wrong and Yeah, I I guess it's that you can't satisfy everyone. And it was probably the same for the Conan the Barbarian movie when it came out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, is that, you know, you had, say, fans of the literature who, say, came in and saw this movie and went, well, that's wrong, you know, Arnold is wrong and I don't like this and I don't like that. Whereas for me, it's uh nostalgia is built in so seeing something as a kid and uh also to seeing something versus now because i have a better appreciation for subtleties such as the the writing and the writing has become more important and the other stuff has sort of falls falls to the back and Whereas when I was a kid or a teen, it was all about the shock and awe and ultra violence. You know, these big Viking dudes with huge battle axes and uh, these kettle drums, war drums. Great stuff. Epic, uh, epic stuff. And two, there's this, uh, we get to see, it almost, it almost feels like, say for, you know, say, uh, Arnold, actor, person, persona, persona, but that we get to see this, I, I've always felt there was this uncertainty to him. Whereas later we get this Gruff exterior, you know the machismo has definitely kicked in. But in Conan the Barbarian, we get to see um, this development as he becomes a, a gladiator. We get to see the sort of the arc of you know growing up the boy and becoming becoming this guy, and to sold into slavery, or yes, yeah, sold into slavery, yeah. kidnapped uh, a greater appreciation of the symbolism uh, there's this wheel he's put to work pushing it looks like it he's grinding grain but it i'll have to i have to rewatch it cuz i I don't remember there being any, you know, sacks of flour or, you know, people bringing stuff. I just I just remember him sort of pushing this wheel, um, pushing it round and round and round. I think it was chained to it. And we see him as a child that he's put on it. And then he's, you know, it's, he's, a, he's a young man, uh, you know, sort of fast forward and his hair is long and... So uh, appreciations. One of the other sides of the equation for myself was Conan. Conan, I think it was Conan the Barbarian comic books, and I did I did manage to get into the. I want to say it's Robert E. Howard, but I'll just keep saying it. It could be wrong. Uh, I so I. I I did pick up the books and I did read the books. And you know, found them heavy and gritty and uh brooding. But there were associations like say I sort of looked at my stepfather who was you know this he wasn't this bulky guy but he was this heavy not not heavy but uh brooding, he was brooding he's this kind of silent cowboy kind of guy and too he even had a wore a cowboy hat when he was camping and had all that uh the mystique uh so let's see mm yeah so my stepfather is uh uh drinking you know conan is a drinker more ale you know, this kind of, you know, going to these taverns, right? And there's these tropes. It, it feels like, say, specifically for Conan, that there's these kind of... It, it's, it's kind of got cliche now, and uh, writers will make fun of it. Like, say, Terry Pratchett. Pratchett. Uh, there was... There was a character. It was in like an elderly Conan. You know, he was still able to get around and stuff, but he was just uh, a bit geriatric. He wasn't. You know, he didn't have the vim and vigor of when he was uh, the barbarian. And he had a kind of nursemaid who, uh, at least in my mind, that she she would kind of she would kind of do. The <laughs> the job he was he was supposed to do the job but she was sort of like helping around you know to get it get it done and not with the ultra violence that you know he used to be able to uh another kind of you know parody was grew the wanderer which is a comic book i'd say it was in the maybe say late 80s 90s early 90s maybe Late eighties, say nineteen eighties, and Gru. So it it was like Conan the Barbarian, uh, with uh, humor. And you know, Gru was just sort of bristling. And and then you know, say you know the dragon would not be interested in fighting, right? And Gru would get sucked into some kind of adventure. But but even with all of the all of the tropes, the cliches, you know, this gruff and grim character, we get this kind of softer side with the movie Conan the Barbarian. Uh, We go back to the childhood, and right away, that is giving us a, a backstory that we don't really have uh in the Robert E. Howard books we get these references. Like he's you know Conan the I, I believe it's the I always I always said uh chimerian but I think it's pronounced Cimmerian and it's like C-I-M-M-E-R and then M-I-A-N. Uh but I'm gonna say Conan the chimerian and ah now, now i'm anyways so he he was from this place uh and it was northern and it was it was northern it was cold uh he had a deity he who he referred to which was Krom, crom c r o m and two, apparently there actually was a deity this uh, sort of Celtic deity called Crom, and, and I remember seeing a picture of standing stones where there was a reference to to Crom. But Crom uh, is not a very um, I don't want to say hospitable, but Crom is always painted as this grim, fi- you know, figure, and you know life life is tough and you're gonna suffer right and uh you know pray pray to me all you want uh but uh <laughs> you're gonna suffer is, is that is that kind of vibe um, just sort of say you know it's 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 a tough life, so toughen up, right? It was that kind of it was that kind of a picture of of a culture, a grim, be, a grim people, a strong people. That that Conan comes from. But I never got a sense of, say, his origin story. I don't know where. In the movie, we have we see his family. His father's a blacksmith, and we get the riddle of steel. All. All of that's wonderful but I don't remember that from the books. I didn't read all the books though. I was a bit too young for the, to do that. It I'm 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 sort of getting to this point where I'm going I know my genre for writing and I love it. I love talking about it and uh, I think it would be good for me to um pursue it right to sort of make make it on the list uh a hit list and just sort of go, okay, this is my uh, list on on twitter social media it's t b r to be read so to your t b t- r pile t b r list and that's that's something interesting too. It's like I keep on coming up with these um is it anagrams anyways these new new ways of saying things uh like you know just a couple of years ago it was lit l i t and uh just interesting language generations defining themselves. And that say, we as human beings have this habit. And I'm just picking up... uh, Just the other day, I I used woke. I found found myself saying, using, you know, sort of... I wanted to say, I am so woke right now. And woke meaning socially conscious. You know, aware of uh, human rights. Um, The flip side is uh, social justice warriors, right? Which is poo-pooed. Uh, which is an odd thing. It's like I th- I think I think it's poo-pooed say being woke is poo-pooed because it's uh, can't get enough of saying poo-pooed. But that, that it's it's the say the extremists or say the say the people who are really vocal and um there's a branch of feminism that is and it goes both ways right leftist rightist don't really hear rightist that much i'd like to hear rightists more but uh i'm just thinking of this branch of feminism which was um What's it called? uh, It's grievance feminism. It's grievance where you have a grievance. Or you're speaking for a grievance. And. You know. Sort of. Expressing. You know. How upset you are about something. And. uh, You know. I'm. I'm on board. To a degree. Uh. The problem with... You know... Everyone's... Someone's going to be offended somewhere. But it is important to speak. So even though, say, if somebody has a... Sort of, you know... It's like, oh, I don't like that... You know, that politics. I I would prefer... You know, that... To sort of say, you know... Well, I don't like talking about that... Or I'm not interested in talking about it. I have a different focus... and, but valuing, enshrining uh, the right right, it's like I'm just glad that person is able to speak right, I I can step outside of this and be objective and go I might not agree with that person or, I'm, you know, I'm just not interested but I you know, what's important to me is that person speaks, right I want them to speak, I want to hear you know, different opinions And that freaks people out, too. That as well, right? That To have different opinions. It's like, no, you've got to be on board. So what would the opposite be? Because I'm sure there's got to be a grievance version on the right hand just attempting to sort of compute and go, okay, well, what, what would that be? You know, a, it would be someone on the right grieving, right? Conservative, and that they're grieving. Such a weird word for it, conservative. Because conservation, I grew up around conservation, which is all about ecology and... Being woke about the environment, you know, um, taking care. Uh, though too, it, it involves it involves um, uh, hunting, fishing, uh, and then by extension, living off the land. This kind of survivalism. It's it's into it's weird how this is sort of gets co-opted, right? It's sort of you know oh well you're that type of person, and it's like you know can't you be <laughs> can't you be a hunter and a leftist? <laughs> you know it does can't you mix it up? No no. There's a fence. Can't I sit on the fence? No no. Back to Conan. So the, speaking of fences, the the fence in the Conan movie is there's this thesis at work. It's a, it's you know at, sort of after going to school, finding out what a, you know how to do an essay, what a thesis is, what an antithesis is, and what a synthesis is. So a thesis is your argument. An antithesis is the opposite side of the argument. And then your synthesis is a fusion of the two. And that you say you would come out you would come up with something um, How can I say this? It's like juxtaposition. Juxtaposition is placing two things next to each other and then the result is your synth- s- synthesis. So you have, by placing your argument next to your counter-argument, or antithesis, you're able to see a third side. And then this is your synthesis. One of my favorites is the fusion that happens at the end of "Star Wars. You know, the first Star Wars movie, which became the fourth. Let's say the original Star Wars movie. The thesis, and then the antithesis. It has to do with uh, technology versus faith in in a belief system. The belief system is the the Jedi force. Uh, it's called a religion, and that happens between Darth Vader and. A um, one of the imperial, I think it was like a general or something, and speaks to him about. Uh, uh, says to Darth Vader something about, you know, your, your religion, you know, is a kind of weakness. Uh, we see the two sides. Back and forth, this this argument, we see um, our old mentor arguing on the side of uh, the force, this Jedi warrior, right? This belief and this manipulation of this mystical force, uh, which is it's weird because it's so powerful. This kind of mysterious, uh, like I said, it's mystical. It's like what is it? whereas in I'm sure, anyway's later in later movies it becomes this becomes less mysterious i think it's anyways there was a need to explain it and it, it, that kind of defused it it took the the mystery out of it is it metachlorine or something that you know you know everybody has these little kind of tiny um, Creatures living inside them. It's like, oh, come on. But it, it, um, apparently that was, you know, important to that story at that time. But the first movie it was this extreme of technology, science versus, uh, belief and the supernatural in a way. So we have our, our argument, right? The synthesis happens at the end, where both are being used at the same time. Luke fuses the thesis with the antithesis, the argument with the counter-argument, and we get this synthesis, right? Uh, the success of, of the climax is achieved uh, via this fusion. and so I'm uh, in looking at Conan the Barbarian I'm seeing this as well I'm seeing uh, and too, especially getting I'm getting that from The Riddle of Steel and seeing it as a kid I'm just like, I don't know what's going on uh, you know, Riddle of Steel You know, they're talking about making swords okay, that's cool Uh, the two sides of the argument and I just want to sort of plop in there do consider looking up rhetoric rhetorical devices even just to be sort of conscious of that as a toolbox and say at some time you might want to go and take a look at rhetoric and it's not, it's been made very accessible, there's YouTube videos on it Um, there's the, what is it, there's the sort of the the big easy components, which are, uh, it's like ethos, logos, pathos, and say ethos, you can see ethics, logos is logic, and I'm drawing a blank on pathos, (laughs) anyways, check it out, Uh, or just sort of put it on your list. You know your TBR, your To Be Read, or just watch a video. Uh, why? Because in coming up with you know arguments, having your characters debate, right? That that's that's a that's a part of the storytelling process. Why, Moss? Why? Quiet. Just go to you know. Remember Star Wars. If you haven't seen it, check it out, and just sort of be conscious of the two sides. This debate that's happening, and, and, and what we get to at the end, the synthesis. Conan, the barbarian. we start off with the argument, the thesis, right away. Conan's father tells him the riddle of steel. It's this sorry, this beautiful moment, father and son. I, and they have, they have a sword. It's like snowy, cold, cloudy. And uh, there's this sort of, you know, f- the father is passing on this wisdom in saying that you can trust steel, right? So, this is our argument you know, you can trust steel. Stree- steel won't um, uh, betray you. People, uh, aka the flesh, uh, will, right? Uh, you know, it, you will be upset by people, but not metal, right? It will, you know, metal will be there. You can do things with it, shape it. We don't get into rust and all that stuff, but. Uh, so that's the thesis. This uh, The counter argument, the antithesis, is the villain, Falsa uh, Doom. And We get him, like, almost right away. You know, almost, you know, after this uh, chilly but idyllic village life, we get to meet our villain. And, I'm not sure if it's stated right away. It it might be that, say, Thulsa Doom's arrival, you know, our bad guy, that he is he's actually, there's an agreement with the father about the thesis, this sort of betrayal. You know, here's this human being who's being unethical, who's betraying. And so actually supporting the father's argument in the Riddle of Steel. Um, as we go, and ultimately we get to this encounter, uh, Conan is, has grown up and he encounters Thulsa Doom on this, you know, one-on-one and we, we have moments or a moment where uh, I, I just remember there was this sort of powerful emotional moment, like I don't I can't really s- sort of remember when I've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger upset, right? But there's this moment where his character is upset you know, you kind of like you killed my father like, um In uh, the Princess Bride, right? Uh, Prepare to die. My name is right. It's it it was it's that kind of moment. It's but it's anticlimactic. Uh, But Thulsa Doom presents the opposite side aisle, uh, the opposite side of the aisle, uh, the argument, which is that, and I, you know, there's a demonstration, and he says, no, no, no. Steel is weak. Flesh is strong. Look. And he demonstrates and shows that he can control people, right? He can get people to do things. As a leader, as a as a religious cult leader, right? He has a cult. So he's able to shape people. He's able to shape the flesh. Just like uh, the father shaped the steel at the beginning, here we have another kind of father figure who's, Shaping the flesh, shaping the mind, and that's that's the that's the clearest sort of um, where we you know sort of in the dialogue it's rising to the surface, and for that alone, it's good writing. You know, that's for for me that's one of the reasons why it rises above. Uh, because it would be easy just to push it aside and go, well, this is a piece of trash. But it says something. Uh, a writer on Twitter who I will uh, uh, <laughs> communicate with. We'll, we spar from time to time. Uh, and in a good way. And yeah, so this is LC And LC says... Uh, or said something and I, I, I was like yes, and it was um, preferring. Um, I I, I, said, I like themes. This is paraphrasing, quote unquote. I like themes. I don't like messages. And what what that is is that say. Uh, what is a theme? A theme is. Uh, the theme is good versus evil. You're exploring a subject, right? You're not making the statement and saying, we have to do this, right? Or, you know, such and such is wrong. Why? it? What the message does is it closes the door. And a good example of this is doing an interview. If you ask yes or no questions, are you this? Uh... Will you do that? If the answer is yes or no, we don't have exploration. Uh, The person... uh, I remember seeing this... (laughs) I remember seeing this interview with Andy Warhol. There's a video out there. And the, the interviewer is attempting to get, you know, into the mind of Andy Warhol. But all he'll do is just answer yes or no. You know, and... I think he even just sort of takes it to the extreme and says, you know, maybe? And things like that. Very uh, wonderfully evasive. You know, he's like a little kid, you know, in those moments. You know, and... uh, Irreverence. There there it is. Andy Warhol's Irreverence. You can see it in the art. And too, you can see it in, in the persona that he presents you know that he's offering of himself so so a theme uh allows for a conversation you you you're showing or at least you know you're inviting a show of both sides right the thesis and the antithesis and the sweetest and best is uh, in a sense, it's almost like a peace armistice, you know, where the two sides are now going to work together. So there's, you know, there's a there's a nice bit of subtext going on beneath. Uh, <laughs> let's all get along and work together. Uh, the message, so this is not the theme, you, you know, in the, in the you know the big theme is good versus evil there's a whole bunch of themes get online check them out go to the library check them out even more but the uh not the theme but the message uh the message doesn't do that the message doesn't explore and so what would be an example of that in the case of in the case of conan or you can say say star wars or say any story. It's that there is no argument. Right? There's just only one way of doing things. Um, say, you know, journalism. Journalism, your The best journalism uses a minimum of three perspectives. Right? You get three interviews. You get three different sides of the story. So you have a well-rounded... Right? And then you can make your... I want to say, an informed decision. But the message doesn't do that. It's like an opinion piece in a, you know, in a a newspaper. So it's not journalism. An opinion piece is not journalism. It is opinion, right? And two, more often than not, it's one-sided. The best opinion pieces are actually um, journalistic, where they invite different, you know, perspectives, you know, but ultimately, uh, there's a bias, right? Thus an opinion. And so, uh, ending up, how are we doing for time here? Starting to wrap things up. Let's see. So the message, you, you can, you can tell when you're getting a message because there's a push, there's an agenda, there's an ideology. Uh, you know, there's there's one idea, one perspective. What's an example of that? Uh, critical theory. So, critical theory, which is being uh, propounded and bandied about uh, universities, and I, I would argue too that critical theory is not just on the left, it's on the right. Critical theory could even do it centrist. And it is, it is harshly arguing one side. And in, in a sense, it's, it's a criticism, but it's not constructive. It's not interested in sort of, you know, building or considering. Uh, you know, it's just sort of, uh, <laughs> it's, one, it's one-sided. And da, 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 da. what's wrong with that? Why? We, uh, what's wrong with being one-sided? What's wrong with a message? You know, hey, if you get three messages in there, très bien. I would even argue that you know, having the thesis, synthesis, sorry, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, that, that is journalism, right? You're presenting three uh, perspectives. You're presenting, you know, the left, the right, and the center, in a way. And, some great moments of my, <laughs> my brain. Did I just say that? Was that a smart thing? Or did I just put something together make sense of something that seemed absolutely senseless? I, and two, I don't want to take credit for it. <laughs> I, I want to give credit to, you know, the the, uh, the part of my brain that doesn't get credit, which it, I argue is like the kind of like the group mind, like the thing that we all share. And what do I mean by that? Could be could be a collective unconscious, unconscious collective. You know, the the deep part. Right where all of that is, because it it definitely does feel like kind of like a library, right, where you're sort of going to the library and saying, hey, you know, do you have any information on this? Have you ever been to the the libraries? I know it's sort of upstairs usually. It's a reference department, and then you know, go and you ask, you know, hey, do you have any? And they'll go sort of check it out. The cool thing is, is that they've actually trained to do this. They have a system, right? They have what's it called in Star Trek, right? They would, uh, algorithm. They have an algorithm that they're going to, you know, apply to the search. And, you know, I'm just sort of on the fringe of it. I barely understand what they're doing, but that's a resource if you have never done that I recommend that to go to the library get to the reference department with your question have a question and then present it to them and watch them go right you know these uh, information freaks you know their eyes just like light up right? <laughs> like, oh treasure you know the knowledge treasure moment and, too, that you get to work with someone on that, right? That, I, I understand that thrill when I'm working with someone on a story, you know. And I have helped. I've figured out what, you know, their style, what they're going for. And, yeah. Which is, it's so nice to narrow down a genre and sort of go, you know, this really speaks to me. And uh, I, I want to sort of navigate this with others. And two, I've gotten the payback. I've had, just the other day, Christina, is it Hawthorne, on Twitter? And she was asking me about my stuff, and my fantasy world. And so I had an opportunity, you know, to share in the sense of, say, instead of being the asker, that I get to answer. And it was like, you know, oh, it's this and that, and I'm oh so proud of it, you know, and, it was, it was a nice moment. So, I feel like I have to just be wrapping up with the the message. Yeah. Um, the message is only speaking to one group of people. I'm just thinking, too, that, say the message, say, so Conan, where do we get to in Conan? Right, the synthesis. So we get Conan's father, who gives us the thesis. Then we get the antithesis from the antagonist, Thulsa Doom. And then at the end, we have the synthesis. And I, 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 I looked up I think it was on Quorum, it was a website, and it was talking about the riddle of steel and where we get to, and that, um, the, for Conan, it's belief. It's almost like there's three answers to the riddle of steel, and, for yeah, for Conan, it's, it's belief, that belief shapes both, belief shapes people, right, because you believe in uh ideology, you know, your political, your politics, your you know <laughs> belief system, whatever it is. Uh there's the mm, belief shapes belief shapes steel. Uh Yeah, so belief shapes both. How does belief shape steel? Belief, belief. I, I, I think that it has to do with, say, it being in the forge. Uh, if, you, if you believe that steel is stronger than flesh, or if you believe that flesh is stronger than steel, you know, that both of those involve belief. but but we get to that but we get to that moment and um it is the luke skywalker there, there's a bit of argument there i have to go back and i have to watch the ending is you know is that true Are, do we do we have a kind of luke skywalker moment where uh conan the barbarian you know our gruff guy from up north is <laughs> that he is having this sort of epiphany, and he's like, oh yes, and he's like, Luke Skywalker, I will use the force, with technology, you know, of my uh, X-Wing fighter, to drop the bomb down that chute, and kill millions of people, thousands of people, Uh, I'm just... And, and two, in order to save millions of people right because that's the it's it's like the the lesser of two evils or <laughs> evil to counter to counter evil yeah that's that's an argument there it's like do you um, is it evil you know if you if you're using evil to save someone else, is it is it evil to save the lives or and possibly at the lives of more people? I, I guess that gets into justifying, you know, justifying actions. Ethically. And we're back at rhetoric. Conan the barbarian. So in these last minutes here. Conan the barbarian. Uh There's been... uh, I think there was an animated series. I didn't get into that. Uh, And part of it was because I had such a... uh, strong... um, idea. I remember seeing, say... I think it was the opening of one episode... and I just turned it off right away... because I'm going... that's not my Conan. Uh, Even in the comic books... there was a... for myself it was an accurate representation... And it gave me visuals. I don't remember Thulsa Doom from the fiction or the uh, comic books. I remember that there was a character he had... In the comic books, he had this hat with these horns. These, like, ram horns. He was from Stygia. He had a name similar to Thulsa Doom. But uh, better as well. I, I, I liked... I like this other character. That's something to look up. Um, so recently we had... This like Within the last 10 years it was... Uh, Jason Momoa as Conan. And in a way... I, I would like him actually to come back... As King Conan. I think that would rock. Right? With the beard. You know. Um, doing King Conan. Do the King Conan stories from Robert E. Howard. And... Uh, because if you haven't checked that out, it's it's great stuff with him as this, you know, this gruff guy. It's kind of Game of Thrones, if you remember the, um, the king, drawing a blank on the name, but he had the beard, he was like this, you know, guy with a bit of a belly, he had a belly. Uh, he was sort of associated symbolically with a, a deer, like he had these antlers on his crown and... I think it was his kind of standard, uh, to you know, was it totem, kind of his sort of heraldry. But I'm just just thinking about um, relevance. Maybe that was something. It would be interesting to sit down with the Jason Momoa Conan, and to compare and sort of go, okay, well did they have a riddle of steel like did they have the argument Um, theme and I I have to say as well that when I'm talking about this argument I'm talking about theme and you know a message won't have uh, that argument because it's one sided right so we'll just sort of again and again we'll get this hammer 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 proving this point you know, oh, you know, too, it's not proving it, it's just sort of, you know, I'm hitting you with it again, these are facts, right, but we're only getting one side, and so it's it's preaching to the converted, you know, you're not interested in communicating with anybody, you know, you're just ta- interested in talking with one group, you're not interested in exploring, you're not even interested in sort of questioning if, you know, you're wrong, like, maybe you're wrong so it's not open minded it's very closed biased the blinders are on the horse can't see you know either side of the road it's just straight ahead uh is there a place for that sure you know state sponsored propaganda they love that stuff you know if if you belong to a ideology political party They'll eat that stuff up. You know, is it... Is it good writing? Is it good storytelling? No. Why? Because it doesn't get you to think. Right? It's... 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 You know, it, it just... It's just... Um, yeah. It's propaganda. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, please do think about... Uh, ...having an argument... ...you know... ...having your... Uh, ...argument... ...counter-argument... ...and then this... Um, ...fusion... this uh, ...of the synthesis... ...and... Um, ...also to be looking at theme... ...that way... ...instead of sort of being... It, it, ...it seems like overwhelming... ...you know... ...not easy to wield... ...but if you just boil it down to... ...you know... ...an argument and then you're arguing against it, and you eventually get to the end point, then I find that that is a much easier way of thinking of it. All right, take care.